2 Corinthians chapter 11. And before we read, I just want to share something with you real quickly that um, the Lord has given me, this is just the way He does me, He gives me a lot of ideas for things that we're going to preach and teach down the road. Uh, maybe not have the whole message put together, but He shows me some thoughts of kind of where we're going. And the Lord had showed me this, this message, and then one we're going to preach next week, I'm going to preach next week as well, that kind of goes along with this. Uh, and I know that some people have been giving me some, some things to listen to online about some of the music and uh, the false things that are in worship today in music. And I have listened to some of that and read some of that. And uh, I appreciate you sending it to me. Uh, I see the danger of that the Lord has showed me a long time ago. These things were coming. And I appreciate the people that other ministries that put it in clarity. They'll put it in, in, a, in a good little format where you can see it and hear it. And so I'm thankful for that. It's wonderful tools. Nothing against that, but I just wanted to share with you that the Lord had already been beginning, beginning to burden my heart with these two messages today and tomorrow and next Sunday. Uh, and it's not based wholly upon those things that you all have sent me, although I'm thankful for the things that you've sent me. But I want you to read. Uh, this is the day in which we're living, y'all. It's just honestly the day in which we're living. I don't spend my time, if y'all y'all know, uh, always talking about problems in the church world or, or uh, you know, Dave Hunt had that ministry of Berean Call where it was constantly, and that was a calling on his life. I'm thankful for it. Uh, he's ministered in my life for years, exposing uh, uh, deception in the church and trends in the church that aren't biblical and that kind of thing. And that was a specific calling. Every pastor and every minister, every believer, to a certain extent, has has a, a calling to be a watchman. But it's not our only calling, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't feel like it's my only calling, but I do feel like the Lord's called me to, the, to part of my ministry to be a watchman. So this week and next week, we're going to be a watchman, okay? Um, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4. Paul sent us to the Corinthian church where he brought in the gospel. They got saved. They got baptized in the Holy Ghost. They became, came behind in no gifts. They were full of the, the Spirit of God and so forth. Uh, and he says here in this epistle, Would to God you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through the subtlety, through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, he might well bear with him. Paul talks here, and so I feel like I see when I read the Bible that the Word of God, Old Testament and New Testament, points out and exposes and warns uh, false things that are not of God, things that are not of Christ, things that might appear like they're Christ, but they're not of Christ. And so the Bible does that. 
the Word of God does that. Your best defense and my best defense always is not to study all the false, although we need to be familiar with it, know what's going on out there, but that we study the Word of God, that we be filled with the Spirit of God and the life of God and function with the mind of Christ, that we're able, growing in our closeness to the Lord, those false things are readily seen as being false. Okay, so I'm saying at the beginning and I'll say it in the middle and I'll say it at the end. Our, our job is not to be an expert on the cults. There are people that are, are deception because there's a new deception every day, but there's only one truth. I can stand firm in the truth in my growing in Christ, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then living by the word of God, living by the spirit of truth, Staying close to the Lord, recognizing my Lord and Savior, recognizing the voice of my Savior when He speaks to me. And uh, then the false is that much more easily identified. Even though you've never studied that false, or never heard of this music group, or that preacher, or this movement, or this false doctrine, you've never heard of it before, and don't know how to put a label on it, in your spirit you'll know very clearly, and so will I, that's not of God. And we need to be there. And we're, this is just a help to that. But I think even a bigger help, even in these messages, and I know God's having me to preach them, but like we preached on the altar for four, four weeks, okay? If we're living in the, in the altar, we're living in that sacrificial state of presenting ourselves as living sacrifices to God. Remember, the altar was a meeting place for God and man, and the Lord would meet us at the altar. We live our life in the altar before Christ, then we're going to know these things. We're going to know the things that are of the Spirit of God or that are of the Spirit of Antichrist or another spirit. We will know them. And so, uh, I just want you to know that we don't have to live in fear of that. I don't live in fear that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be deceived and, and then uh, 10 years after that, wake up and find out that I apostatized in terms of the Lord. I don't live in fear of that. I live close to God. He hasn't given me the spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. But living closely to the Lord is not an option. Because if you don't live closely to the Lord, or I don't live closely to the Lord, then I will be more readily deceived. Very possible. It's not impossible at all. Okay? What is Paul saying here? He speaks of another preacher come to you. If there's preachers that come to you, and they preach another, uh, they give, uh, you receive another spirit. With a little s, some other spirit than the spirit you've received. They preach another gospel than the gospel that you've received. They bring to you another Jesus. How many of you know there are other Jesuses? Still with the name J E S U S. Okay? And as the body of Christ, y'all, we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the Jesus, the one of the scriptures. We've been saved by his grace and by faith in him. And Paul says, you've been espoused to him. In other words, like, Engaged or married to Him, you've been engaged to the Lord and, and, and to Him alone. I want to present you. He says, I'm jealous over you, Corinthians, the Corinthian church, the believers, because I want to present you sanctified and separated like a virgin specifically for your husband, Jesus. So keep that in mind. That's just an illustration. It's a, a picture. Okay? I want to present you to the Lord and to the Lord alone who redeemed you. You're not to belong to the Lord in some other 
belief systems and other doctrines and other spirits and other gospels and other Jesuses. You belong to the, to the Lord. And the spirit that we are begotten of and that indwells us and by which we're sealed is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Almighty God. There are other spirits. There's a man, man has a spirit. Lost men, you have a spirit. Saved men have a spirit. It's the spirit of man. We have a body, soul, and spirit. There's also the spirit of Antichrist or, or the spirit of the God of this world. And then there's the Holy Spirit. Well, um, there are other Gospels. Right? There are other Gospels. It may be a perversion of this Gospel where it's twisted. A perversion is a twisting. Okay? Not for the better. You can't change anything about the Lord and make it better. You can't take truth and make it more true. You can't take the Gospel, the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation and perfect upon it a little bit because some new preacher in 2019 had a fresh revelation and all you people had it wrong and I'm going to tell you how to have it right. I'm going to tell you how to come into the presence. I'm going to tell you how to do this or that. And so there's the Gospel and then there's other Gospels. And the Gospels that we have received and it's the same Gospel that this Corinthian church had received from the Apostle Paul. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures. And, uh, and so this is the Gospel of the Scriptures. It's the Gospel of God. The faith that we hold to. Okay, The just shall live by faith. The faith that we are part of and that we hold to and stand fast in and contend for is the faith that was once delivered to the saints, as Jude calls it. That's the faith. That's the Spirit. That's the Gospel. And the Jesus that we believe in and worship and love and obey and serve is the Jesus Christ of the Scriptures. That's the Jesus we believe. So just so we're making it clear, is not any old Jesus that you want to name and claim and, and define and invent and describe. It's the Jesus Christ of the Scriptures. Jesus told those that were listening to Him, search the Scriptures. Okay, listen to what He's saying. In the Old Testament Scriptures at that time, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of Me. So the Jesus that we believe in, and which we're talking about today, another Jesus. Just so you all know. Okay? Another Spirit, another Gospel, another Jesus. And specifically we're going to look at another Jesus. But the Jesus of the Scriptures is the Jesus that made that statement, search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Which we do. They are they. Those Scriptures that you search and read, they are they which testify of Me. They don't testify of some other Jesus. The Scriptures here testify of the one that was born of a virgin that lived in, born in the manger in Bethlehem and died on the cross for the sins of the world, the unique Son of God, risen again the third day, seated at the right hand of the Father and coming back again someday. The Scriptures testify of that Jesus. I say it often, not everything, but almost everything I know about the Lord is from the Bible. I know, it, I know Him by experience. But my experience lines up with what the Word of God says. If it, the Bible says He's altogether lovely, which it does, I experience Him the closer I walk with Him. He's altogether lovely. If the Scriptures testify of Jesus Christ being faithful, the one true faithful God, and His name's written, on His thighs written a name, you know, faithful and true. And when He comes back, then um, I experience Him as a believer born of His Spirit that He's faithful and true. You understand my point of that? 
I'm not limiting God to the Scriptures in the sense of putting Him in a box. I am saying that God is the God of the Scriptures. He is just exactly who this Word says He is. And if you know Him, you're going to find Him to be exactly like the Word of God says. You're not going to find Him to be different or contrary than what the Bible says. The Jesus that you know and the Jesus that I know, if it's the real Jesus of the Bible, then it's going to be the Jesus of the Bible that we know and experience. He won't be different in you than He is in me. He might use you in a different way. Your personality might be totally different than mine. Okay? But the Christ being formed in you is being formed in me. And the Christ that's in the music, okay, or those that write the music, or those that are playing and singing the music, if it's Jesus, it will be the same Jesus that's in me. And the same Spirit that they will be uh, anointed by. Okay? But the Bible says, even right here in another place as well, there are other spirits. There are other Gospels. There are other Christs or Jesuses that, that people will bring. And so the one we believe in is the one of the Bible. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that's why we don't worship the Bible. I said it Wednesday night. We worship the God of the Bible. But we hold to it and cling to it because He told us to. Because there's safety in it. Because it sets boundaries. And it sets a border of, as far as this is God within this circle or these four walls is God and truth and the things of God and Christ and salvation and everything that we believe and hold to and walk in and live is within this. It's within this by the Spirit of God. And what lies outside of that, no matter how it appears, is not of God. And so, uh, Paul was jealous over these people because in, in a good sense, I know God is, God is a jealous God in the sense that He wants us to be His and His alone. He's not sharing our love and devotion and worship with some idol down the street. Okay? It's Him and Him alone. And that's the way he, He's the one that created us. And, and same with Paul is saying, look, I espoused you, or I brought you to Christ through the Gospel. The Lord saved them. And I'm going to make sure you stay for Christ and for Him alone. But there's other preachers that come and they might preach another spirit and another gospel and bring to you another Christ, another Jesus whom you have not received. And so we have to hold to the, to the Word of God. The Word of God says that men will preach another Jesus. Right? This is not... This is not Maybe it'll happen someday. In fact, and we're going to get to the scriptures in just a minute, but it's characteristic of the last days. You know what I mean by characteristics? Not like you have to search hard for it. It would be almost like a pattern of the, of the last days in which we live. Men will false, falsely and deceivingly and seducingly preach and proclaim and present and promote another Jesus. Their motive is not pure. Okay? It's not just a mistake where they, they were a little off. This is spiritual. So if they're promoting another Christ and telling you don't follow that Christ, follow this Christ, or saying it's the same one, this is just a little different revelation over here, follow this one, worship Him this way, okay? Behave this way, live this way for God, and it's not lining up with the Word of God. That's another Jesus. Although they might use 90% of the same scriptures we do. 
You can use 100% of the same scriptures and twist them. And it's still another Jesus, another spirit. And so the Bible talks about that. Their motives are not pure. And if it's that Jesus, if it's any other Jesus, then it can't be the one true God, right? I mean, that goes without saying. If it's some other Jesus, then it can't be the Jesus. And this other Jesus can't save anybody. But Satan has put him out there. Again, it's not just a mistake. There's a spiritual thing. In the last days, and we're going to talk about it more next week. We really are going to focus on it next week. The spirit of Antichrist. Okay? We're going to focus on that, that spirit. Not the Antichrist in the end times in Revelation. That's a person, a personality, you know, given over. But we're going to talk about that spirit that's in the world even today. But if it's any other Christ other than the unique one of the scriptures, then he's not the real Jesus. And that other Jesus has no power to redeem anybody. Even if you feel goosebumps, even if your hair stands straight up on your head when you're hearing this evangelist preacher, hearing that worship music played, if it's not the Jesus, then that Jesus has no power to redeem a life or a soul. Cannot do it. Who can forgive sins but God? The Bible says. And so, he can't do it. So false prophets, false teachings, false teachers, false gospels, another spirit besides the Holy Spirit, false Christ. The issue is not whether there will be, be or there will be present. Okay. The issue is whether God's people will give heed to them. That's always the question. The Lord tells us straight up they're going to be. There were deceivers and false prophets in the Old Testament. Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Okay? They were false prophets. They were offering up strange fire to God. They were leading people in a false way in the name of the Lord. Okay? In the name of the Lord. Remember we did that sermon, I don't, I don't remember how long ago, on Micaiah. And all these false prophets that prophesied before uh, Ahab and Hezekiah, surely the Lord's with you. Go out. You're going to prosper. You're going to win the victory. Oh, uh, go out and fight. Every one of them. And had one man that told the truth. Okay? It's not a question, are there going to be false prophets, false Christ promoted? And other spirits? Yes. Okay? The question is, will you and I give heed to them? Heed means I... I pull up a chair and I sit and I lend an ear and I want to hear. I really want to hear this. And it goes from hearing into my heart and into my mind. And I didn't want to be deceived, but since I gave heed to it, I ended up being deceived. That's why the Bible says don't give heed to that. That's why the Bible says in the last days, you know, perilous times are coming. And Paul tells uh, Timothy to preach the word. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and shall turn their ears from the truth. And they shall be turned unto fables. I know that I give that scripture often, but it's such a clear picture that when we turn our ears from the truth, then what's left? Besides truth, and I've turned as a willing choice, turned my ears from truth, the only thing that's left is a lie. It's false, no matter how good it looks, no matter how, how warm and fuzzy it makes me feel. If it's not the truth, and I, because I've turned my ears from it, and it doesn't impress me, it doesn't excite me, it doesn't uh, move me anymore, okay? I turn my ears from the truth. That's my choice. But the Bible says, and they shall be turned as somebody else's choice. 
on the fables. So my safety is in not turning my ears from the truth. Opening wide my ears to hear my heart to receive everything that's of God. Okay? And so this is where our safety comes from. As the blood-bought church of the Lord, are we going to give heed to those things? Well, we need to come to the point where as soon as we're within a mile of it, something that's false, that God gives us that discernment and we heed it. That we don't have to get way into it. Now, God can bring us out because He's faithful. I will say that. Okay? But the point is that if that where that bench is represented something false and I'm walking along, I don't have to get right up to it and taste it and lick it and smell it and feel it and go to 15 of their services and you know what I'm saying? And then, oh, this is... Let me, let me get... If I even get close to it, that God would show me and I would leave. You know, like those bumper cars bumping off the walls, you know? That all through life, God would keep us in the truth where I don't ever have to participate in anything like that. I don't have to be deceived and then be undeceived. Let's just walk in the light of His His Word. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ the Son cleanses us from all sin. We can walk in that light. Are we going to give heed to the false teachers? Will the true saints of God be strong in the faith? And this is the question, okay? Not are they going to be false teachers. Are we going to give heed to them? In the least little bit or to some great extent? We don't have to at all, okay? Again, do not live in fear. Don't leave here in fear that you're going to be deceived. Just stay, keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay in the Bible. Feast upon the Word of God. Are we going to exercise the discernment that God has given us? He's given it to protect us from error, from deception, from all that's not of God. We're going to stand fast in the Word of God, or are we not? And let's look back at the passage we read and and look at verse 3. It says, But I fear, Paul had a real concern about these believers, spirit-filled believers. He says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve. We know what happened there. The serpent uh, was Satan and beguiled or tricked Eve into believing something. And she went with it. She went with it. God had said, thus saith the Lord. Satan said, God didn't really say that. He he didn't mean that. What he really meant was this. And you just don't have full understanding. And she goes, okay. Okay. And she she fell into sin. As Satan, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity there doesn't mean just simple in the sense of like ignorant. It means singleness. The singleness that's in Christ. There's a singleness and a uniqueness to the Lord. He's not partly in this and partly in that. You know, other Christ and all of this. And this is just the way Eric wants to worship God. But, but you know, you can worship God this way too. And there's a singleness to Christ, to our Savior, to salvation, to being the unique Son of God, to the resurrection, to the Gospel, to the Holy Spirit. He's one Spirit. Okay? And so, he goes, I, I'm concerned... For if he comes to you and preaches another Jesus whom we've not preached, or another you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. You know what he's saying? I'm concerned. So the Holy Ghost through Paul is giving these people a warning and to, to, 
to like, rise up, wake up, okay? Here's what I'm concerned about, you people. You're Christians. I've espoused you to Christ through the gospel. He says, but I'm concerned about when I leave, another preacher comes in, preaches another Christ, another spirit, another gospel. You might well bear with him and, and say that, oh, we're just being gracious and kind and understanding. We want to hear him out. Don't hear him out. As soon as you're aware that it's something false, you don't have the responsibility. It's not a Christian virtue to, to hear him out. If somebody, a Jehovah's Witness comes to your door, either tell them the truth or don't talk to them at all. Don't say, well, God bless you. We'll just agree to disagree. You want a cookie you know, and have a Coke? Come on in. Don't wish them Godspeed. Uh, the Bible says don't wish them Godspeed. Do you hate them? No, you don't hate them. What they're espousing is false. And so I don't want to be a partaker of another man's sin. Either tell them the truth, or if you don't feel like you're able to do it, don't answer the door. Okay? But don't just have a little conversation. Isn't the weather nice? Well, God bless y'all, and you know we'll just agree to disagree. That's not... It's false. It's damning souls. It's serious. Souls that Jesus died for. It's more than just, ooh, or am I looking kind, or am I looking rude? Things like that. He says, I'm concerned you might well bear with somebody. A false prophet comes into your midst, into your church, and brings something new other than what we have brought to you. You might well bear with them. Don't, is what he's saying. Don't bear with them. I want you to look at this. In Matthew, we all know the passage, but just real quickly. And, and this sermon is going to go with next week's sermons as well. We'll kind of have it all together, but in Matthew 24 in the Sermon on the Mount, when the disciples asked Him about end times events that were coming and what would be the signs of His coming and appearing and when the temple was going to be destroyed, they asked Him three questions in one. <clears throat> but He pretty much gave this answer would be a theme. Matthew 24, 4 and 5, Jesus said this, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Alright, so this is what he comes straight out with. He doesn't say in this passage the Roman Empire is going to be revised and it's going to do this and then you know, there's going to be a country called the United States that does this. The first thing he tells them is take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many. doesn't say they might. He said many. So this is my point. The question is not, are there going to be false Christ? Many shall come in my name. What name? In the name of Jesus, the name of Savior, the Son of God, God. Coming to, I'm the Savior of the world. I'm the hope. I'm the, the way. By me, men know God. Or I am God. Uh, many will come saying, I am Christ. Christ, that word means the anointed one, the chosen one of God. He's the promised Messiah of the Scriptures, of the ages, since man fell in the garden. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And many will come and say, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Skip down to verse 11. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. Skip down to verse 23. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. They might not say these exact words, Christ is over here. They might say to get this impartation, this anointing, this touch, to, to feel the presence of God, uh, you have to go here. You have to listen to this music. 
You have to be part of this movement. You have to hold to this or follow that evangelist or be part of that church or one of their cell groups. Or You understand or read this book. And so, if any, if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show, shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert. Go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Believe it not. We're just going to stop right there. When the Lord comes, we're going to know it. Says the light shines from the east to the west and the lightning. You're going to know it when the Lord comes back. And we're going to know what's of God in our day because we have the spirit of truth living in us and we have the word of God. And we can know what's of God. We are to know what's of God. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits or test them whether they be of God. And many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay? Y'all, God's Word revealed and taught by God's Spirit is our protection. I'm saying things you know, I'm saying it over and over again. God's Word taught and revealed by God's Spirit, rightly divided, okay? Line upon line, precept upon precept, here or there, a little, here or there, there a little. Um, that's how we come to doctrine. That's how we stay in truth. In the, in the presence of the Lord. It's the spirit of truth. And God's word revealed by God's spirit is our standard. It is our standard. Uh, think about it, y'all. We're going to go build a house. Or we're going to add a room to our house. And, you know, Damien pulls out his tape measure. And I'll pull out my tape measure. You know what? He doesn't have to ask, where'd you buy yours from? You know, I got mine from Home Depot. I got mine from Lowe's. You know, you know what? Because an inch is an inch. An inch and a half is an inch and a half. All right? We want to build this room 10 by 10. It's going to be 10 foot by 10 unless we mess it up. All right? But the ruler's got it right. I used to work for a carpenter remodeling house. He said, measure twice, cut once. Okay? Measure twice, cut once. He's come back and, no, that's too short, Randy. That's the wrong size. Uh, the standard doesn't change. God's Word doesn't change. And so we can always be safe. It's not limited. We're not putting God in a box. We're not, oh, afraid to try, uh, go deeper in the Lord like we're accused of, okay? But I'm absolutely going to stay where God told me to stay. Because, you know, that's where He is as well. And I want to be with Him. And He has given us the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And that's what we're told to live by. You can call me narrow-minded. Can, can I tell you something? That when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to truth and error and true and false and of God or not of God, of the Holy Spirit, not of another spirit, okay? When it comes to those things, we are very narrow-minded. And we're supposed to be. The Lord Jesus was narrow-minded. I just want to read this. You can turn if you want, but I'm going to read from Matthew 7, 13 and 14. You all know the passage. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. We all know the passage, but was Jesus narrow-minded? Very narrow-minded. 
We're not talking about what you eat. We're not talking about if you have your service on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday in the middle of the week. We're not talking if you meet at 10 o'clock instead of 10.30. We're not talking about if you come back and have a service Sunday night or a prayer meeting Sunday night. We're talking about truth and error, truth and, true and false, of God, not of God, Holy Spirit, another spirit, the gospel, the faith delivered to the saints, or another faith. It's very dogmatic. Very narrow-minded, and it's supposed to be because that's where the protection is. That's where the safety is. And I could go all day and all my life and never exhaust what's right here. Well, don't you want to try something new? Aren't you getting tired of you know singing those songs? And aren't you getting tired of of uh, you know the same Bible messages? Guys, I read it, and when I finish the Bible, this is how I read. I start over. However long it takes me, I don't do a Bible through a year or whatever. Nothing wrong with that. I study all over the Bible, but just in my reading, just what I call my daily reading, I read through the Bible when I finish, I start over. And every time when I start over, it's almost like I never read it before. I'm not exhausting it. It's living. It's life. It's wonderful. I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of it at all. And so, no, I'm not bored with it. I'm not bored with Jesus. I feel like I've scratched the surface only of what there is in Jesus. Scratched the surface only of... of the intimacy I can have with the Lord and the power of prayer. But I'm not going over there because somebody tells me to go over there and try this thing. I want to stay right here with the Lord. He's helping me. He's growing me. He is wonderful. I love Him. I want to love Him more. Okay? Don't, you don't, you're wasting your time. I'm not, I don't want that over there. But if we, if we take our eyes off of the Lord and get comfortable and complacent and we're not studying to show ourselves approved and not staying in prayer before the Lord, we could be deceived. We could believe something we didn't believe before. So Jesus was narrow-minded when it came to the things of God. You know, when it, when it comes to truth and error, again, it's just not a matter of personal opinion. It's not a matter of what's popular in the church world. So hear what I'm saying. It's not a matter of personal opinion. Well, this is good for y'all. But, you know, we prefer this over here. Again, we're not talking about flavors in, in, in the sense of, you know, you want a big church and you want a little church. We're not talking about that. We're talking about truth and error. Okay? Of God, not of God. That is not a matter of personal opinion. It's not a matter of what's popular or unpopular. It's not a subject to change over time either. His word is forever settled in heaven. It's not subject to change based on culture, even church culture. All right? And that's what we see. We see changing conditions in moral climate. So we see the church as a whole, not a condemnation on every church, every pastor, okay? We see the church following the decline in morality in the world or in our culture, or in our country, and it follows it right on off a cliff. And, but God doesn't change. I'm the Lord, I change not. All right, His Word doesn't change. So it shines as bright as it ever did. It's as true as it ever was. And a thousand years from now, it'll be just as true. Okay, no matter where society is, if the Lord tarries that long. So, uh, the Jesus, for example, the, the Word of God states that there will be other Jesuses preached and taught. Right? We just looked at a couple. There are many more. But the Jesus of Islam, for example, is not the Jesus of the Bible. 
But if you talk to a Muslim, just casually, maybe right off the top, say, I'm a Christian. Oh, well, we, we respect Jesus. We have a great admiration for Jesus as well. But the Jesus of Islam is not the Jesus of the Scriptures. It wouldn't take you 10 seconds to realize that if you know your Bible. Because Allah had no sons. Well, that would do it right there. This is my beloved son, God said, the father whom I'm well pleased. Here you have. And so there's so many differences that you just very quickly, you say that that's some Jesus you have respect for, but he's not the Jesus of the scriptures. Okay. And Jesus of the scriptures is not to be respected. He's to be worshiped. He's the Lord. Okay. Feared and surrendered to and laid out prostrate before him. Uh, you know, and, and so the Jesus of Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormonism, that's a different Jesus. Maybe you have to look just a little further, but you look into that and you'll find out quickly that's not the same Jesus either. Mormonism, for example, the Jesus of Mormonism that was, uh, was half-brothers with Lucifer. And that he was conceived by, by uh, Elohim you know, having a physical relationship with Mary not born of a virgin. And that the, the Jesus of Mormonism is simply what man, uh, he was just like we are at one point, he evolved to be this God-man. And that's the same as every good Mormon is evolving to be a God-man. There's nothing unique about him in that sense. So it wouldn't take you long to realize, no, that's not the same Jesus. There are other Jesuses, okay? Mm -hmm. You know what other Jesus, and we could go on and on, but there is a Jesus today, and I'm going to spend the rest of the time today, that's another Jesus that's harder to discern. Not impossible. It just takes a, a little harder, okay, to discern. There's a Jesus of liberal theology, I would call it. There, it's another Jesus. That grace just covers everything, no matter what. No matter what, not biblical grace either. Uh, and so when God wants us to know His Word and to know Christ to where we're not deceived by someone that says they're Christ, even though it's not quite a false religion. I want to give, I, I chose today, but I believe the Lord led me to, to spend the rest of this time in a hypothetical example, okay? Then I want to give, kind of trying to highlight this other Jesus is not the Jesus of Mormonism or Islam, but the Jesus of liberal Christian theology that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Okay? When, when you have a Jesus or a gospel that is, quote, accepted or believed upon by an individual, and yet that individual is unchanged. Not that we're perfect today, we're saved. I'm going to say this over and over. Please stay with me. That's... That, person, that sinner that came to this Jesus is unchanged and still in their sin and in their sinful lifestyle as a whole and as a pattern. That's another Jesus. Now, I'm going to make this clear at the beginning. When I came to Christ, when you come to Christ, when anybody comes to Christ, I'm not preaching sinless perfection to the day you get saved, you never sin again. I am saying that there are people that claim to know Christ that have no conviction of their sin. They're continuing in sin and all the while saying, 
they have a wonderful relationship with God. No conviction of their sin. No desire to come out of their sin. In fact, they see no incongruity between the Jesus that they believe in and their sinful lifestyle. We're perfectly compatible. And maybe they throw a big old blanket of grace over the top of it all and say, here's why it's okay for me to still go to the bars and drink and hang out with my friends and watch the R-rated movies and to curse and to listen to dirty jokes and not to live godly in, in, in these ways and not to tithe to my church. Here's why it's okay. And they throw grace over the top of that. Whoever preached that gospel to them, preached them another gospel. And whatever Jesus they have accepted because they claim they know Him. That's another Jesus. Because He's mighty to save. I am not saying, nor am I being judgmental in the sense that are you struggling with the sin since you've been saved? Yes. Am I, have, I, have I and do I to this day struggle with sins? Am I daily going to the Lord asking for forgiveness for different sins? Yes. But do you see a difference the, the Holy Ghost convicts you of your sin. You know it's not right. You're not excusing it. You're not saying my sin is compatible with a walk with God and is, is, is perfectly right with this Jesus of mine. You're saying, God, help me. God, forgive me for the 10,000th time I've done it again. Please forgive me. You hate it. You know God hates it. You know that your life's not lining up where it should be. That's a good thing, right? And He helps us and He forgives us. I'm talking about in my example. I try to keep this. I know of people. I know of people in my life and, and, and in our day. And, and they, they curse. And they, they'll curse right to you just in their conversation. Not cursing you out, okay? You know people just curse in their conversation? They use the curse words for adjectives for about everything they say, okay? Uh, they just curse and they have no problem with it. They talk about the bar they went out to Friday night or their friends they went out drinking with Friday night and where they're planning on going next Friday. And you say, well, you know, Christians do struggle with things like that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So understand what I'm saying. Yes, we do. But they have no shame, for lack of a better word. They have no contrition about it. They, see that they don't see that any shame about their testimony for Christ at all and how it affects the Lord. They have no desire to live any other way than that because they think this is okay. That God is okay with it. You all understand my point? So I'm going to extremes to make an example. And when that would be the case where they think in their minds it's, Jesus is okay with this lifestyle of sin, then that is another Jesus. Because it wouldn't take you long to read the Bible to find out that that's not okay with the Lord. Is it forgiven of God when we confess and repent? A thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand times. Yes. Is He helping all of us as believers to grow? Do we still sin daily? Yes. Multiple times a day? Yes. Are you thankful that we don't have to be perfect the day we're saved? Yes. But, it's, but you don't think it's okay, do you? If I, if I cursed... If I went out drinking, if I got mad and lost my temper and said ungodly things to my wife or my children, I'm not going to say, well, it's okay. God's cool with this. You understand my point? I'm going to say, God, forgive me. I knew it before I opened my mouth. 
Lord, I have no control of my temper. Would you help me? You understand my point? Forgive me. Change me. Help me. D, would you forgive me? Boys, would y'all forgive me? That's not the same as saying God's cool with this. That's another Jesus. But if you ask Him, do you know the Lord? Yeah, I know the Lord. How are you? Oh, me and, me and Jesus are tight. We're doing good. In fact, I'm thinking about going to the ministry. I want to be a youth minister. You ever met someone like that? I have. I know people like that. They might be nice. They don't curse you out or beat you up. But they'll curse in their language and think nothing of Have no contrition about it at all. No conviction at all. So, I would say this. To point out this is another Jesus as well. Okay? Where is their testimony for Christ? Where is the fruit of His Spirit? Where is the conviction and contrition about our own sin? Where is loving obedience to Christ and to His Word? Where is godliness or a pursuit after godliness? Which the Bible says, it's the Lord that has to produce it in us, but I need to cooperate with the Lord and yield to Him and, and walk with Him. Where is my speech seasoned with salt that glorifies God? Where is my growth in Christ and my conformity to His image? Where is my hatred for sin? That's a big one. Because He hates it. There are Scriptures that say how He hates it. He forgives it when we repent and confess, but He hates it. Where's our hatred for sin? Where's our love for God above all? Because the Bible says, if any man love not our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, the Bible says. So, that's what I'm talking about when I would say that's another Jesus that they're talking about. Not talking about a believer that's struggling with sin, but they know that they're in sin. Or a, a Christian that might even be backslidden. You might see them in a bar. And they're really born again. I pray you don't, but you understand my point. It's possible to be backslidden as a Christian. and then, But they know if you ask them, they would be ashamed. They might try to get out of their face and they don't want to hear it. But in their heart of hearts, they know they're not what they should be in the Lord. Because they know. God's not all right with this, but I don't want to hear it. You know, stick your fingers in your ear, run back to the bar. This time in their life, they're in rebellion. They're backslidden from the Lord, but they know it's not right. They know their testimony is a shame to Christ. And if truth be known, they probably admit that they're miserable living that way as well. So I'm not talking about, and I'm, I'm saying it so you don't leave here and think Randy thinks that a Christian to be truly of Christ, that you can't ever sin or sin for a long time or a lot. I'm talking about as often as we sin, we know it doesn't line up with what I should be in Jesus. The Lord did not... He, he forgives sinners and He saves sinners. And I'll, I'll say it all the time, He doesn't. He came and saved me while I was in my sin. But He didn't leave me in my sin. And there's almost this Gospel that's preached that leaves you in your sin. And I would say that that's another Jesus. That is not the Jesus of the Scriptures. That's another Christ. They see no conflict or inconsistency with their sinful lifestyle and being a Christian. But you do, don't you? You see it big time in your life. When you sin, you know you've sinned. Because all that goes in us convicts us of sin and we go to God and we hate it. Even if we like the pleasure of the sin, we hate that we're sinning against God. And we ask Him to change our heart. But this one over here believing in this Jesus is perfectly fine with it. 
They're comfortable and sleep like a baby, okay? And, and have no shame for, for their sin at all. But God's Word and God's Spirit in us would produce that. Christ in us would produce that and a desire for holiness. And so, I want to start bringing this to a close, y'all. I, I know that there are uh, people that know the Lord. They could just be a, a lay person, a Christian. They could be a minister. There are denomination, ministers in whole denominations that have changed the truth of God to a lie. They've changed the truth of God and what they held to because society around them has changed. So they actually changed their doctrine and what they believe on homosexuality. They've changed their doctrine and what they believe on, on, on Jesus being the only way. They still have the name Christian on the church door. But there are ministers and ministries and entire denominations that change another Jesus. And there are people, individuals like you and me, that have changed what they once believed. Sound doctrine. They've changed it because their son or their daughter isn't living for God. And I want them to feel okay where they are. And I'm afraid of losing them. This is more reality. You're not going to be deceived by the, by the Jesus of Islam. And I don't think you're going to be deceived by the Jesus that thinks homosexual, homosexual behavior and so forth is perfectly fine. But you might be tempted to because your daughter or your son or your best friends don't really want to hear the Gospel, don't want to live like you live, but you want to make them feel like they're okay in God and you want to feel like they're okay in God. And so you give them something else, a little lesser or a lot lesser than what God has given in His Word. That's another Jesus. Because you don't want to lose them. You know what happens? You lose them anyway. A thousand percent of the time, you've lost them anyway. I don't want to lose my daughter and she's not holy or doesn't want to be holy or my son, he's not holy and doesn't want to be holy. There was a, uh, a lady that was a strong Christian. Her son had been raised in a Christian home. And uh, the son got to a certain age in teenage years and was rebellious said, I want nothing to do with this God thing, this Christianity thing. Bolted out the door like the prodigal son went and lived in the world. The mom used to pray uh, for his, her for his safety. Lord, protect him. She stopped. She said, I'm not praying for... And she told him when she saw him, I'm not, I used to pray for your safety. I don't pray for your safety anymore. I pray whatever it takes for God to get a hold of your life. Because it's that serious. And that put the fear of God in this young man. He came back to the Lord and he's a missionary today for the Lord. God knows how to do it. You say, well, I've got to soften the gospel or lose my friends or my daughter or my son. I've got to make it to where it doesn't seem so rigid. Okay, it's not rigid. It's life. Okay, it's complete salvation. Complete grace and mercy and deliverance. Everything. He's complete. The Lord knows how to say it. But we soften it because we want to feel like they're okay with God. We want them to feel like they're okay with God. And if I really lived this thing out in a holy kind of lifestyle, a biblical lifestyle, they'd be gone and out the door. So you live for God, you, you compromise, and guess what? You lose them anyway. And I, I mean lose them in this sense. Who can save them but God? That other Jesus that I gave them can't save them. So if they're going to be saved, they're going to have to come through the blood of Jesus. They're going to have to come the same way you came and I came. 
there's not another way. And if it's 100 years from now and society is way down even lower, which it will be if God tarries, it'll be the same gospel that saves them then. They'll have to come to the same standard and it's still by His grace. And it's still by His faith. I mean, by faith in the Lord Jesus. I'm simply saying that's another gospel. And I'll close with a couple of verses here, y'all. 1 Corinthians 12.3 Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. That's just kind of an interesting verse. But you know what it's telling me? They're, they're, if they're going to be saved and they're really going to call Jesus Lord and mean it, okay, true profession of faith, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not anointing or testifying of that other Jesus. The Holy Spirit is testifying of the Jesus of the Scriptures, the one true living God. If I am going to be saved or the person I'm witnessing to is going to be saved or my son or my daughter who, who is rebellious right now or wants to live this other kind of Christian life where it's okay to go to those movies and it's okay and Jesus is perfectly fine with that because we're under grace and I'm perfectly fine with that, then, then they're not going to have the conviction because it comes through the Holy Spirit. I give you to understand no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And so certainly we need to be patient if we're dealing with other people in kind and, and loving. But y'all, we have to tell the truth to people. We have to tell the truth to people. And we need to live it ourselves. Okay, live it ourselves. My, my job is not to accommodate people and get them halfway, some kind of halfway Christian saved. If something's not of God, and I need to know that, and I need to not proclaim that. And what is of God, I need to proclaim and tell, even at the risk of losing people. Because the only way they're going to be saved is through this gospel. The only way you're really going to have them is to put them in God's hands. And I know that I'm kind of all over the place this morning, but I wanted to talk about that because the, the, the Jesus of the Scriptures, and I'm closing with this, the Jesus of the Bible is the one true Savior and He forgives sins and He's merciful to sinners. You know it by experience, right? And so do I. And we know it by the Word of God. But He never excuses sin. But this other Jesus does. This other Jesus is okay with it. This other Jesus, well, we're not perfect. You hear that all the time? Nobody's perfect. They're cursed to your face. They have no desire to change. No intent of changing. Not ashamed of it at all. Well, nobody's perfect. God's still working in us all. Well, wait a minute. You know, where's the conviction of sin? If I sinned and cursed in front of you, I'd come back and say, first I'd say, God, forgive me. I lost my mind. But I'd come back to you and say, God, Sherry, would you forgive me? That was unchristlike. You understand the point of that? That's another Jesus, y'all. Jesus of the Scripture saves mightily, but He doesn't leave us in our sin. It, it, it was a sanctifying process that takes place all through our life. I need mercy and grace and forgiveness in the blood of Jesus every day. Every single day. Between now and the time when I see Him, I'll be like Him. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what do I believe about Jesus? Do I believe He's okay with my sin? Or do I believe He hates it like He always did? 
He's not okay with it. He doesn't wink at it. He doesn't laugh at it. He doesn't let it slide. He doesn't turn the other way and pretend like it didn't happen. He's holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. And so He's the only one that can make us holy through faith in Jesus and the sanctifying Holy Spirit, which again is through our whole saved lives. I'm going to close with Psalm. You can come. Psalm 33. Y'all, that's another Jesus. I'm simply saying that. That with all the deception that's going on, there's, there are the false Jesuses that are actually easily uh, identified. And there's a false Jesus that is proclaimed, unfortunately, by people that know the Lord, or say they know the Lord, from the Christian camp, preaching a false gospel and another Jesus, thinking that, well, we've got to change with the times. And we have to change because, you know, whatever will make Jesus more appealing and more easily accessible and acceptable to people. But we come to Him or we don't come to Him. Here He is. You can take Him or leave Him. I pray you take Him. I pray and fast for you. I'll weep for you if you won't weep for you. But here He is. You're going to take Him or you're going to leave Him. But He's not changing so to meet you on some common ground. He hung on a cross and died all the way. Rose from the dead all the way and He can save you all the way. But I can't change Him. He's not mine to change. Neither is the doctrine mine to change to make it fit with your compromising sinful lifestyle and all the while think you're going to heaven one day. Here He is. You can take Him or leave Him. He's wonderful. Can I tell you that He'll forgive, he'll forgive your sins? Can I tell you how much He's forgiven me of? And continues to forgive me of. Can I tell you how I thank God every day for His mercy and for His blood? But here He is. You can take Him or leave Him. And, and that's the Christ that needs to be... That's not another Christ. That's the Christ. And any other Christ is another Christ. I just want to read this. And the altars are open now. Okay. However God has ministered to you or spoken to you this morning and you feel that you need to get to these altars and just meet with the Lord for a little while, I encourage you to do so. But as you're coming, just want to read this from Psalm 38. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear Him, upon them that hope in His mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. The Lord is the only one that can deliver someone out of that, y'all. So I have to bring people over and over, repeatedly, the same person over and over, new people. i got to keep bringing them the same Christ over and over. Not to diminish Him or His holiness or character or power one inch. Keep bringing them this Christ. And keep bringing that Christ to yourself and holding Him up as a standard of holiness in your own life and how to live a godly life in your own life. Our soul waiteth for Thee, Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in Him, because we have trusted in His holy name. Let Thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us, according as we hope in Thee. It's not another Jesus. It's this God of the Scriptures. Our hope is in Him. The hope of sinners is Him. The hope of your rebellious cousin or friend or son or daughter that you don't want to lose. You're going to lose them. Give them to Jesus. Put them in God's hands. And don't compromise them. Tell them. Put the fear of God in them as God will allow you to do it. I'm not talking about in your flesh. Just trying to make them afraid. But, but sharing the truth with them and let them know about this God. And God will have to deal with their souls and lives. And He will. Amen? They're not coming some other way. That's how they're going to come.